Listener Production. Hi, I'm Anthony Matafari, and I'm the lifestyle editor at Car Sales. For me, when I'm out on the road on a road trip with friends and family, you tend to have conversations you wouldn't usually have anywhere else. So I thought it'd be a good idea to head out on the road with some well-known Aussies to get to know them a little bit better. Let's meet today's guest. Brendan Favola, thank you so much for taking us along for the ride. Thanks for having me, Anthony. So what are we in today? Uh, we're in a Mercedes uh, GLE 450, I think it is, D. It's a very big Something like that. monster. It's a big car. Yeah, I've got lots of kids, so I've sort of fit in there. But the, the wife's got a seven-seater, but I've got this one, so you know, always kick one kid out if we're going on big trips. But yeah, it's a beautiful car. My wife brought it for me for my 40th, actually. Oh, yeah. lucky you. Got wrapped up in a nice bow, which was nice. Are you a car person? No. I like a good car. I was an ambassador for Mercedes for about six years. And um, so I got to drive all sorts of different cars, like every couple of weeks. They give me a new one because they, then they sold it off as a demo. So yeah. I was pretty fortunate. I love this car, so I'll stick to Mercedes as a nice car. So I, I do enjoy watching it. I like watching the cars, but it doesn't bother me what car I drive. It's just... This is nice. It's got all the mod cons it's, Yeah, and stuff. It's, all, it's all nice. Well, let's fire it up and uh, go yeah, for a Yeah, I need the aircon on. Yeah. It is getting hot. Would you like a massage, mate, while oh, you do the interview? Yes, it, please. What, what would you like? Like a like, nice little hot, relaxing, activating, classic wave? Maybe just a, a light, a light massage. Just a, yeah. just a normal classic? Are you giving that? me a massage because this is going to be a really stressful drive? No, no, no. <laughs> it's just so you're comfortable, bro. It's just oh. Ooh. sit back and relax and enjoy your massage. Oh, Everything you. comfy? Oh, very nice. Thank you very uh, much. No worries. You're welcome. You need the little uh, driver's hat as well. I feel like I'm being chauffeured around. <laughs> I'm, an u- I'm an Uber. <laughs> Can you feel it? It's oh, yeah. It's, it's nice and subtle, isn't it? It's subtle. Yeah. Should have got the hot one going for you so you didn't realise what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> so, Fev, what was your first car? Uh, my first car. So, for my 18th birthday, Mum gave me her old Nissan Bluebird, little red number. So, I rocked around in a Nissan Bluebird for a, a period of time. So... That was my first car. I used to um, drive it when I was on my L's, when I worked at McDonald's. And then um, when I first got drafted, I um, caught taxis because I wasn't 18 yet. So uh, on my birthday, which was uh, the year after, I um, got to drive my little Nissan Bluebird into work when everyone else had all flashy cars. (laughs) I was (laughs) with my little Nissan Bluebird. But it used to be my grandmother's car. So Uh she had it, gave it to mum, and then mum gave it to me. So... Um, yeah, I'll did, always remember that car. Did it last the distance? Uh, it was good, mate. It was a great car. The, the, the old Bluebirds, mm. they, were, um, they were nice. It was bright red, so you couldn't miss me. Um, yeah, it was a beautiful car. I did read a story that the car did get you into a bit of trouble in your way. Was it your first My game? first game, yes. No, it uh, conked out. I was driving. I lived in Narry Warren, and we were driving to the MCG for my first game. And you always have these nightmares about your first game, if you're going to be late. We're playing in front of 100,000 in the MCG against Collingwood. I used to sell pizzas at Waverley Park and obviously go down the southeastern. And no word of a lie, my car conked out right out front of Waverley Park on the <laughs> southeastern. And I didn't have a phone back then. This was in 1999. And I didn't have a mobile phone and I'm in my suit. Cars conked out. And lucky enough, about half an hour later, I was walking along the freeway and mum, <laughs> mum picked me up because she was going to the game. So I was late to the MCG. I was late for the meeting. I got in trouble by the coach. But yeah, it did conk out. Like, what are the chances of that? And then that was the end of that, so I bought myself a new car. How was that first match when you finally were there and ready to go? 
it was stressful, uh, like you're feeling now from me driving. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I, I was late, so like I didn't sleep all night playing against your arch rival in, in Collingwood, and obviously playing for Carlton, you know, in front of so many people. Um, I started on the ground, but back then there wasn't really any rotations like now. I played five minutes, got a handball, and went to the bench, and never went back on. And then didn't have a car to get home. <laughs> <laughs> Wait for the next week yeah. to play again at the stadium. What were you like as a kid? I was a shit of a kid. Can I swear on this? Yeah, go yeah. for it. Um, so I just like having fun as a kid. Um, I don't think I've changed too much. And I'm 41 now. I don't think I have um, changed too much. And when I was a kid, I like to have fun. I get in a little bit of mischief, but it's good mischief. It's not bad mischief, but like to play pranks. Um, I was very sporty, so, you know, we lived in a court um, with a lot of other boys, which was great. So we're always out playing sport games in the in the court and always looking for something to do. And, you know, there was no technology back then to show my age. So we had to come up with our own fun. I try to tell my kids now what we used to get up to and they're like, Dad, why would you do that? sit on the iPad and watch YouTube or do TikToks or, you know, that sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, I was an outgoing kid, didn't like school too much, but I just put all my eggs in one basket and wanted to play footy. So, um, you know, I always had a footy in my hand, playing footy in the court, over at the ovals, slept with a footy. Um, you know, I was just all about footy. So as a kid, was that ultimately the goal to, you know, be in the NFL? <laughs> was that like, I go to bed, I hug my ball? Yeah, I used to sleep in my footy gear, like my footy boots and everything. I loved footy, like I started when I was five and I played four years of under nines or five years of under nines. Back then there was no Oz kick, so mm. I think I was in under tens and I'd already played my hundredth game. I played in the under elevens when I was 10, 12, 30, I'd play up. So I'd play like four games in a day. Mm. And on a Sunday I used to play local footy club, so I loved it. Yeah, I always wanted to be a footy player. I wanted to be a police officer growing okay. up. I uh, just loved to, to be a cop. I love all the law shows and cop shows now, but I didn't like studying too much, so. I had to put it. <laughs> had to put all my eggs, as I said, in the basket of footy, and um, I was lucky enough that I was, you know, I dedicated a lot of time to footy and training, and I was lucky enough to be drafted. So, were you born into a, a footy loving no, family, or did no, you pick your own? No one, no one played footy. So I lived out in a place called Narry Warren, and we used to live in Hawthorne. And then before I went to primary school, we moved out, and then we started prep. And um, everyone was playing footy because I was from an Italian, you know, dad played lacrosse, my uncles played ice hockey, my pop, Pierre, he was soccer. So we didn't really know footy. So I was like, what's all these kids doing kicking this footy? My old man had no idea about footy. He played for Narry Warren in the senior reserves and he was hopeless. So I used to go watch <laughs> him play and it was, he had no idea, but he played like state level lacrosse, okay. Australia lacrosse. Um, do you know what lacrosse is? Mm, yeah. Yeah, great game, quickest game on grass. Oh, whoops, very, um, oh, good driver. Um, <laughs> At least you indicated. <laughs> in a crash. Um, Dad always got into fights and he was a really quiet man, but in the lacrosse, it's really rough. Mm. So mum wouldn't let me play lacrosse. She says, you're not playing that, it's too rough. So that's why I started playing footy as well. So Footy can be quite rough too, though. Yeah, it can be, yeah. But lacrosse, they've got sticks and they whack each other and it's, yeah, that's it's, a fair point. Yeah, it's full on. <laughs> um, was your family one to go on road trips and all that kind of stuff? No, we're pretty poor family. Mum and Dad split up pretty early, so we didn't really go away at all. But um, sometimes we'd go to a Chuka and camp, and I hate camping, but it was fun when you were a kid. But we didn't really go away. You know, our biggest trip was to Fountain Gate. You know, that was a day out for our family so you know growing up we never really went anywhere so you know, I always say the kids now they're pretty fortunate they get to do stuff and you know like Toby's four and she's been to America 
Japan, Bali. I didn't go overseas until I was like 20. So yeah, I never really went anywhere as a kid, no road trips. When you started playing footy professionally, was that a cultural shift? Because I guess you've gone from just being in school, working, you know, as you said, Maccas, to being part <laughs> of, I guess, a really highly structured, you know, life. Well, I was pretty fortunate that my first year of AFL, I was still at school. So I got drafted in year 11. So I split footy training up with school. So I was sort of out of a transition where I was doing half and half. I was pretty lucky in that aspect where, you know, if I had, and David Parkin was my first coach and David Parkin's a great mentor, great coach, and he's pretty much involved in every single aspect of teaching. He's a, I think he's a, on the board of every <laughs> school industry in, in Australia. So he's first thing to me, because when I did get drafted, I was like, oh, well, I don't have to go back to school now. Um, I don't have to go to year 12, I can just play footy. He goes, said to me my first day, he said, you've got two options. He goes, what are you gonna do next year? And I said, oh, I'm obviously not gonna go back to school. He goes, I'll give you two options. You can either go back to school or you don't come back here. I was like, what? Oh, I'm going back to school. Um, so he, he let me go back to school. And when I had school, I didn't have to train. Mm. So they were pretty good in, in that way where the, you know, school came first. Little did they realise I wasn't the smartest person going around. So that, <laughs> but I did pass school, which was good. I finished year 12. And then obviously my, my second year was, you know, full on footy, which was great. Were you better at learning to drive than you were learning at school? Mate, I was like a duck to water. I just loved, I drive to work all the time. And I used to do like at McDonald's, I'd do like wash up, which is like a late shift. So I'd finish at like 12 o'clock. So there'd be no cars on the road. So, you know, I'd drive home on my owls. Yeah, so I, I just really picked it up like that. And, you know, back in the old days, we'd drive into Melbourne a fair bit. So mum used to let me drive. So getting out in the open road and the freeways and stuff was, um, you know, probably a bonus to learn, you know, because they're pretty much all straight roads. So you learn how to control a car properly. So, you know, you see in the country that people drive at about 13 when they're on their farms. Mm. So it was a bit like that. I got to drive everywhere all the time. So, um, you know, I was quite lucky. I'm actually teaching my 16 year old how to drive now, so. I was gonna say there's a, yeah. um there's an L plate There's an L plate here. Yeah. So how yeah. is the teaching going? Yeah, it's good. Um, she won't drive with mum because mum gets too anxious. <laughs> and I'm like, I just let her go. Like, I, she gets in the car and, you know, she's going to make mistakes, but yeah. you tell them after they make the mistake because if you tell them everything beforehand, I think that you don't learn. So, yeah. you know, she's she's been great. So she's put up a few hours, which is good. She just turned in July, so she was straight in, got her license, and um, every day I pick up school, can I drive, Dad? I'm like, yep, jump in. Lulu's a bit scared, because she sits in the back, because <laughs> she's like, I'm not driving. She shuts her eyes the whole time. It's so really? funny. Oh, it's hilarious. But Lenny's really good. Like, she drove home yesterday, and she didn't do anything wrong on the all the way home, and, you know, she she's a bit nervous around the roundabouts. Yep. I'll, tell you, I'll show you how she goes around the roundabouts. This is how she turns. She'll, she'll get up to it and then she'll stop, and then she does this. <laughs> and then she stops fully and then accelerates. I'm oh, like, bro, no. you gotta keep going. Like, she's like, I know, but I just get nervous. I'm like, just let the car do its thing. Yeah. So she's getting better. So I'm a pretty good teacher in that aspect. Mia was always with me, with the learners. She couldn't handle mum either, because mum just stresses. She did um, the, uh, the double grab oh, handle. Mate, she does it with when, me when I drive. I'm like, <laughs> chill. I was driving the other day and she's like, oh, you're too close to the side of the road. And I'm like, no, it's because you're in that seat. <laughs> I'm like, in the, in the line's perfect. Like we have massive arguments when we drive, because when she drives, I do the same thing. She's a bad driver. 
but so, I won't, don't tell her that. <laughs> Before you had out. the kids, did you both go on trips together? And... Uh, well, we had a kid straight away. So, um, you know, Mia went on a lot of trips with us. But car trips are the best. But I lived in Yarrawonga for a long time. So um, when Alex and I separated for a period of time, I lived in Yarra. So I'd drive up and down the Hume two or three times a week mm. uh, to see the kids. So, and, you know, they came up. So the Frozen CD went in because they were a bit younger back <laughs> yeah. then. And my ears bled for about three hours all the way to Yarrawonga but we'd all play the games on the road trips I spy games I always come up with a game where you look at the number plate mm. so you pick a number so everyone got to pick a number between one and nine and then everyone gets that number and then when the cars are coming the other way so just say oh, I'm a six there six there you're yeah. a zero you get two points yeah first to ten play that game that takes up a big lot of time so We'd have sing-alongs, which was great. And then I'd found myself, because I missed the kids so much, when I was driving back without them, I'd be listening to the Frozen CD. Oh. <laughs> it was so grim. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I've been on a few trips with the kids, um, you know, road trips, which have been great. How is um, being a dad? Because, obviously, you went from it's the a best. full life of, you know, football and then had well, kids. Be, yeah, well, i become a dad at 21, pretty mm. much. So, um, you know, I love kids. I'm a child myself, but... <laughs> You know, when they get a little bit older and they're smarter than you. Toby's four and she's smarter than me already. But I love being a dad and I'm a girl dad, so I've got all mm. girls, which is great. You live your life through your kids. You know, they, um, they just make you smile, make you happy. They're all like me, which is good. Probably not a good thing for when they're older, but as kids, they're, yeah, no, they're great. And Lulu and, you know, about having Toby, Lulu's great. Toby um, just turned four, you know, a couple of weeks ago and... She's really brought the family together. So, you know, because we're, we're older parents yeah. when it comes to Toby. And, you know, Alex had her at 41 and she was a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I think one, one got through to the keeper and um, we didn't know, we didn't plan on having a baby. And, you know, she has just been an absolute delight to our family. She's the happiest kid. And, you know, we, I said to her the other day, I, I wouldn't know our life without her. Like, it'd be so different, the fact that she's made everyone so happy and when everyone has anyone sees her or sees her on Instagram or whatever they just say she, she's just the happiest kid so now I'm pretty fortunate I've got so we're all in sort of different generations and me is nearly 23 Lenny's 12 Lulu's uh, Lenny's 16 Lulu's 12 and Toby's four so um, you know there's a big gap in between the first to, to last but um, you know it works it's yeah. so great like all the older kids they're all everyone's still at home so, you know, when Alex and I want to do something, we've got built-in babysitters, yeah. <laughs> which is great. You know, Mia can drive the kids around because she's obviously not on her P's anymore. We've nailed it. <laughs> as you, as they, I guess, more of them come to teenage years, are you prepared to kind of give them all the advice? Because you've been through a lot. You've had lots of, you know, successes and challenges yep. over the years. Like, how do you feel you're going to go with kind of um, guiding them? Hopefully they don't read Google too much. Mm. Um, <laughs> But I've always been, like, my kids don't really play sport, so I've always been of the opinion that um, just let them create their own life and create their own memories. If something does happen and, you know, you step in and, and help them out, but, you know, I've never pushed them into sport because, you know, they didn't really want to play sport. They played a little bit. You know, if you're too strict or you push them into doing schoolwork, you just let them go and, and do the thing. Like, Lenny's a great reader and... I walked into her room the other day and this is not me at all. She's exactly me. Everything's me. She was reading a book with a light on her head. <laughs> crocheting? Yeah, is it crochet, crocheting? yeah. 
And I was like, what are you doing? It's like what grandmas do. Like, she was, <laughs> mate, she was making a blanket or something. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? Um, but you just let them do their thing and, you know, you know, life's about, you know, making mistakes. Yeah. You know, no one lives a perfect life and I certainly have it. But the thing is you learn from your mistakes and, you know, the thing is with a dad, they don't really tell you too much, especially when they're teenagers. They talk to mum a bit more, which is good. You know, they don't, um, they don't really come to me with much other than they want money um, <laughs> or something to buy them something or do the fun stuff. Yeah. It's always, can you drive me here, Dad? Can you pick me up here? And can you pick me up from my friend's house? When it gets to the serious stuff, they talk to mum, but let them create their own path. And, you know, I reckon that's what makes you more proud. How did you go with the uh, transition from being a footballer into being a media personality? Because um, they are, they, I guess they're connected, but they're quite different. Yeah, they are. Well, footy, you know, I didn't really leave that by choice. I got mm. sacked. So I didn't do much for a, a period of time. I was living at Yarrawonga, playing golf, drinking beer at the pub every day. Didn't have a job and um, just played footy there. And, you know, I was lucky enough to go on um, Celebrity Get Me Out of Here and where Australia vote the winner and I won, which was great. And then Australia sort of got to see me as me, not what the media write. Mm. And then I got into radio from, from that job. So as soon as I got out and got back to Australia, I had a meeting with Fox and, you know, I got along really well with Fifi and, and Dave Thornton at the time. And, you know, we had a real little connection there and I just went straight into it. You know, all these radio, like Fee always talks about how she did like Terrelgan and I don't know, some country radio station. And I'm like, oh, is that where you go to look, like get into the big job? I didn't have to do that. Mm. Sort of rub it in a little bit, <laughs> channel like that. But, you know, Ray, Fee's been in radio for such a long time and, um, you know, working in radio, I think the transition was pretty easy because they made it easy. Like radio for me is like, I don't think that I'm talking to anyone in the car that's listening. I just think I'm talking to my mates in the, in the studio. Mm. And I'll, get, like, I'll go to like school pickup or I'll go somewhere and someone will say something and I'm like, how the hell do you know that? They're like, oh, I heard you on the radio like a couple of weeks ago. And I'm like, oh, yeah, people listen. Like, I don't realise in my head that people are listening. So yeah. I think that's why, um, you know, our show is so great because it's, we are all mates and we're all chatting away with each other and we don't think that we're talking to everyone in the cars. But I did the footy show for a fair bit, mm. which was on TV. So with media, you know, I was doing both at the same time. I did a little bit of Triple M at that time as well, talking about sports. So, you know, I found it pretty easy to come in and be yourself on radio because... You know, radio allows you to be yourself. Mm. As long as your bosses don't tell you, you can't say certain things. Well, in saying that, though, having to speak about your life and yourself, and as you said, you're like talking with friends, yeah. does that, I guess, make you not more accountable, but make you self-reflect more about your choices, things that's happened, and, you know, kind of, it's like a therapy session in a way? Mate, it's so weird, like, all the times I've, like, stuffed up or done bad things in, in my past... Jeez, it's great for radio. Um, makes good topics for phoners and I can relate to so many things. Having four daughters to throw them under the bus and certain things that they do, I set them up all the time. They're great content, which is good. I did say to Alex a couple of weeks ago, we need to have another baby. <laughs> get, get some more content. Um, but I think the, the beauty of what I've done in the past has really helped me in radio because the listener can relate, I suppose. And, a lot of media personalities have, you know, clean skin and, you know, lived a good life and um, where I've been a shitbag and, you know, lost a job, lost footy and done certain things that shouldn't have done. Uh, and people can relate to that, I suppose, on the radio. So, you know, they know that I'm real and 
I think that's uh, really helped me. And, you know, if I had gone through footy and played like 300, 400 games and kicked 1,000 goals, you know, I probably wouldn't be able to have the job I had, I suppose. It's not the, the same where people look at me as the larrikin and the, the idiot and naughty and, you know, I play that up. Mm. Would you sound right. rather be remembered as a great footballer or a great entertainer? Um, well, I entertain when I played footy, so both probably. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I put bums on seats, bro. Because um, Carlton was shit when I played with him. We had the, probably the worst era of Carlton's history <laughs> at a certain period that were there, but um, I was pretty fortunate that I was lucky enough to, you know, have a bit of skill where I did some exciting stuff and, you know, the supporters still say now, like, they used to love going to the footy. They knew we'd probably get beat, but they wanted to come watch to see, you know, what I'd do, like whether I'd crack the shits or give away 50s or kick, you know, goals out of my ass. So I sort of entertained. I was an entertaining player, I suppose. Um, when the days I was off, they reckon it was pretty pretty much more more entertaining <laughs> when I was cracking the poops. But m- most people now, like the older people, still talk about footy. But you know, the young kids, like my daughter had a birthday party and she's four, and I picked her up from school yesterday, and one of the little girls who was at the party, she goes, "I heard you, you're 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 Toby's dad. I heard you on the radio this morning," and she was like four, and I'm like, ah. <laughs> So they all think that, like even Lenny's friends who's 16, that most of their, her girlfriends and stuff didn't even know I played footy. You know, it was so long ago, it was 12 years ago now. So they all know me as the, the radio guy. <laughs> so it's amazing. And then you go out to see other people and they're like, oh, how's footy? And people that don't really know that I'm on the radio, it's weird. So, two you know, I'm lucky worlds. I've got two different worlds, yeah. Um, what is your greatest achievement in footy? Greatest achievement in footy? God. Um, yeah, playing your first game is an achievement. You know, a lot of people get shit, you know, when they play footy. Oh, he's no good, this person's no good. But to play AFL footy, you know, you've got to, have, you've got to be good, you've got to get, be talented. And, you know, to be drafted from, you know, Narry Warren and playing my first game at the MCG, you know, that's an achievement. Playing 200 games, you know, that's an achievement. Not many play, I think it's something like 4% of the people drafted end up playing 200 games, so... You know, playing for, for Carlton was fun. I think playing Yarrawonga, you know, I loved going back to country footy. They hadn't won a grand final for a while, won two premierships at Yarrawonga, playing local footy, you know, winning Coleman medals. So I achieved a little bit. But, yeah, just, just playing footy, playing 200 games, playing for a great club, being drafted. You know, mum, dad were both proud. You know, they put a lot in to my footy when they were younger and mum, you know, quit her job to be able to drive me around to, you know, trainings and stuff because she used to work in the city and it was too hard to get to training so she sacrificed a lot so you know to be able to make them smile I think was a good achievement you know when I played footy what has been your greatest challenge playing footy yeah. I didn't have much of a challenge I was pretty good <laughs> How about, outside of the sirens I guess in the footy <laughs> trying to keep myself out of trouble because I've got ADD mate I've got fear of missing out so like you know the, the players that love going out that was smart you know they'd go home and I just loved being out I was first there last to leave Loved hanging out with the boys, loved a beer, got carried away. So that was that was that was tough. That was challenging. Because you always want to go out with your mates and have mm. beers and um, you know, when you're a professional athlete, <laughs> you can't be doing that every weekend. So that was a challenge. Yeah. But I juggled it pretty well. <laughs> uh, going on I'm a celeb, obviously yes. everyone got to see it. What was that experience like walking into this, I guess, jungle full of It was horrible. Well? Um, you know, I I remember being asked to go on and I didn't have a job, you know, I had no money. And Alex was like, 
I said, Channel 10 just rang. She goes, what they want? I said, they want me to go on season two of Celebrity Get Me Out of Here. I said, it's really good money. It's what they're going to pay you, blah, blah, blah. And I, she goes, go on it. You know, it'd be great for you, you know. People will see why I love you because everyone thinks I'm a friggin' idiot for getting back with you and, you know, I want them to see you. Mm. And I go, mate, I don't like camping. I like my TV. I love food. You know, I hate mosquitoes and bugs and I, I don't think I can do it. You know, it's in the jungle. People vote. She goes, mate, people will be able to get to see your side. I said, what happens if, you know, I get voted off early and people will think that, you know, I'm a f***wit. She goes, well, you've got nothing to lose. They'll still think you're a f***wit. <laughs> and I go, well, that's not very nice. <laughs> she goes, well, you've got nothing to lose, have you? So go. So I did. I signed up. I left on January 21st. And I remember on the 20th of January, my good mate, the, the late, great Shane Warne, um, I had the Shane Warne Foundation as my charity. So if you win the... Um, show 100 grand goes to a charity and he rang me up and it was my birthday it was january it was like january 20th it was like 8 30 at night so i was going to bed because i had to picked up early he goes mate i'm coming over and i go what do you mean you're coming over i'm in bed he goes no no i'm coming over i said mate because i thought how good is this he's ringing me for my birthday yeah. he goes no i'm coming to south africa <laughs> i go what for he goes i'm in the jungle i said Fuck, what i said this is awesome anyway uh you're not supposed to know anyone that goes over yeah um, until you go into the jungle and he goes, no, nah, I'm going to be some surprise. I'm popping out of a box. I said, this is sick. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so I knew he was going in. Mm. So we got in and, you know, it was quite scary. You know, we're in the middle of a jungle. You go on some safaris before the show started. I was over there six days before and not knowing anyone that was in there, that was scary. I was like, shit, I don't think I'm going to last. I was hungry. I was starving. The, I, everything stunk because you do these challenges that just make you sick. But then I had Warnie in there. He came in like two days after and become really good mates with Anthony Kalia. So we were just little shit. So it was like <laughs> we were back in primary school, high school. We were playing pranks on everyone. But we were in there for 40 days, man. So, mm. mate, when we first went in, they've got a big tarp over the camp because there's big trees and there's all big gorillas and stuff like oh. hanging over your bed. Uh, when they hit the trees, the branches fall, so they had oh. to cover us. So, yep. mate, it was so scary. But then after like a week... You become acclimatised. It's like, mm. oh, yeah, I, I can do this. It was boring, but it was fun. And then I won. So that was amazing. Um, did some sick challenges, you know, jumping out to the middle of a river off a bridge where there's hippos looking up at you. And I'm thinking, like, I can't die because they wouldn't do it. Yeah. But then Anthony would go, but you could die. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? And he goes, well, you know, that's what an accident is. Like, what ends if they don't strap us up properly? So in my head, I'm going, shit, I could die here. And you could see the hippos in the, in the water yeah. below you. And he's like, because hippos are like the most dangerous yeah. animal. And I'm like, oh, God. But I lost a heap of weight. So I, th I loved it. I thought I was on the biggest loser. I, mate, I literally, I dropped like 20 kilos. Oh, wow. But I was eating really good food. I was eating like just meat and veggies and beans and rice. So there was no chocolate, no coffee, no lollies. So I was like detox for 40 days. I never felt better. So I've come out a winner. Won 100 grand for the Shane Warne Foundation. I walked out 20 kilos lighter and a new job. It was like, it was a great detox. It's a good rehab. <laughs> well, well, all that detox and rehab, did you try and keep what you learnt and experienced in your you know, day to day life when you came back to reality? No, well, the weight come back on within a week, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> I think we ordered, a, we're in Huddersborough in um, South Africa and we went to KFC for our first meal. And we ordered like 120 bucks worth of chicken. <laughs> and I never felt more crook. We were like literally got back to our accommodation with buckets of chicken. And I think I fell asleep 
and Alex woke up and she was like, and I had like a bucket of chicken all over me, and <laughs> had a drumstick in my hand, and she goes, what are you doing? I said, oh, mate, I've been looking forward to this for so long. So, oh, sorry, Siri. Yes, you can talk to the car and tells you what to do. Please tell me the name you want to call. Nah, so I was just talking about South Africa. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Calling South Africa. Yeah. <laughs> KFC. Yeah. <laughs> um, outside of footy, being a dad, being on radio, what hobbies do you have to kind of, I guess, get your mind off everything else you do? Well, I play a lot of Call of Duty. Not quite sure if you've seen it in the news. Fifi Box on my show got the data from Call of Duty for the last year, mm. how many um, hours and days I've played. And it was something like 2,800 hours. What? 115 days straight playing wow. COD in the last year. So I quit. I quit like three months ago, three weeks ago. And I haven't played it. Alex, my wife, put my PlayStation away and she stole my COD desk, which made it into her work desk. So I did that <laughs> pretty much for the last year. Been playing it for three years, but... 115 days straight, so that's like a 24-hour period, mm. just sitting there playing COD with all my mates. So I don't do that anymore, so I've got to think of something else to do. I don't really do much. I love hanging out with the kids, but during the day, I like to go out with Ali. We go for lunch. I've just come back from a torn Achilles, so I can't exercise. But I wouldn't mind, you know, starting to exercise. And I'm getting older now, so I'm 41. I need to start keeping up with the kids, so I'm going to start doing some exercise, which will be strange. I don't know what I'm going to take up. Maybe tennis. Love golf. But tennis is not a bad game for mm. agility and keeping fit. I just don't know how to play tennis, but <laughs> can't be that hard. Uh, yeah, it looks pretty easy. And then if you, <laughs> don't, get, if you don't get your way, you can you. smash a racket. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll go for a game yeah, of tennis. tennis. I did hot shots tennis when I was 11. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's good. How's your message going? Has it stopped? It's stopped and it's yeah. in cool mode. It's yeah. very, yeah, it's very refreshing. You're very relaxed. relaxed. Very relaxed. Um, <laughs> Good boy, son. <laughs> Always wanted a son. <laughs> um, so you've mentioned your partner Alex a bit. Yes. Um, she seems to be a, a main character in your storyline. Yeah. How important is she to you know the Favola story? Uh, she's all right. Um, <laughs> no, we've gee, we've been together now for nineteen years, twenty years, which is a long time. And she's had to put up with a lot, I suppose had no idea what footy was, being thrown into the spotlight there with footy and um, having to deal with all the stuff that goes on with, you know, being a partner of an idiot. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, we're, um, you know, we're going great. She's, um, she's going really well with her business. She's got a, a makeup line called Runway Room, which is, uh, you know, absolutely flying. And she created all that by herself. And, you know, when we divorced, God, how long ago was that? Eight years ago, maybe? She started up this business, you know, creating her own makeup and eight years on she's absolutely kicking goals and, you know, we did separate for a little bit back in the day and I said to her she needs to lift her game or otherwise, you know, we're going to get a divorce and, you know, then she wanted me back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure if we asked her, she'd have a very different She'd come crying back, oh, I miss you, honey, you're the best person ever. Um, no, I actually went up to Yarrawonga and I lived there for two years after playing footy up there and... You know, I just changed, I think, as a person, and, you know, Yarra Wonga really um, levelled me out. So, you know, up in Yarra, they don't care, you know, how high you've been or how low you've been. They treat everyone the same. And one day she called up and said, come home. And, you know, ever since then, we've, um, you know, we've never been stronger. And I proposed again to her in front of the kids so she couldn't say no, <laughs> um, which is a good trick. And uh, we're not married again yet, but I think we're going to do that in the future. So that's, everything's going well. We've got a new baby and 
we always say, you know, we didn't get back together. We've never had Toby. Mm. She said, well, if you weren't a f***ing idiot, we could have had more. <laughs> <laughs> could have been a couple more little Tobys running around. But, um, yeah, no, everything's going well. She's she's pretty pretty strong woman. And, you know, if I, if I didn't have her, I'd be pretty lost, I would have thought. So I wouldn't know where I'd be. She's still now, like, when she listens on the radio, she's like my producer. She's like, you, you can't say that. You can't do this. You've got to say it better. You've got to talk this and talk that. And I'm like, man chill out so she's she's great she's your number one supporter yeah she is she's my number one supporter and she's like brendan i know you don't want to hear this but when you did that rave you sounded really flat and i'm only trying to make you better i'm like shut up (laughs) she's like i'm not telling you to put you down i'm telling you to make you better and i'm like i just shut up let me do my thing but she's she's right with what she says but it's annoying because i know what she's saying because you know she's right i know she's right (laughs) she's always right and that's what Toby and the girls always say, I'll say something and they'll go, well, mummy's right. You're never right. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> living uh, with a house full of girls. So you're outnumbered all the oh time? Oh, my God, I'm absolutely outnumbered. Um, obviously, as we know, plenty of stories, true and, you know, fabricated in the media. Well, A, what is it like when you do see stuff that is untrue? And second of all, how do you deal with that kind of coverage? Um, it's tough, you know, you went through a few mental issues and you know when you read stuff i used to go on like the footy pan pages and stuff and read all the comments but geez they write some bad stuff on there like the trolls and stuff and it used to get to you but i learned pretty quick not to worry about what people write in the media and you know the media is not always going to be 100 percent. most of it's right <laughs> but <laughs> you probably just leave it um and don't worry about it you know me and my daughter's been going through a fair bit of the stuff in the media of late and she's been you know written up and some stuff bad stuff's been said and i just told her not to read it and um you know if you need to talk about anything just come and talk to me and and mum you know we've dealt with this stuff for a long period of time but the thing is that you know as soon as it's put to print people believe it and um i always tell you know myself and and tell you know mia as well that don't worry about what people think you know, the people that know you and the people that, you know, are involved in your life, you know, what they think about you and we love you and, you know, I know mum and you guys love me and you just got to be happy in yourself and not let other people determine your happiness. Mm. And I feel, you know, sometimes the media can do that with a lot of things. Back in the day, it used to be you got to get the story right or, you know, 95% right before you put it to print. These days, it's like whoever can get the story out first. But... As my dad once said, and dad's not much of a, he's not a very smart man. He's a pretty simple dad. And I went to the petrol station <laughs> the morning, I had a hangover. Mm. And I must have got in trouble the night before, but I couldn't remember. And I had my paper for Vola three strikes you're out. I thought, shit, what have I done? And then dad rang me as I was walking back to the car. He goes, what's happened, son? I go, I don't know. He goes, don't worry about it, son. It's tomorrow morning's fish and chip paper. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, it is. That's what it is. It just literally is. People forget real quick. You just don't worry about what the media are. Before I let you go, I like to ask all my guests this question. So, life just like a road trip, you know, twists and turns, ups and downs, life can take you anywhere. Life is a roller coaster, you just gotta ride it. Ronan Keating said that. Very inspirational, <laughs> very inspirational. Probably can't use that for legal reasons either. Uh, if you had to sum up your life in terms of a road trip, how would you describe it? Like driving Adelaide. You don't want to do it. You don't want to be a part of it, but once you get there, it's not too bad. Brendan Favola, it's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> I don't even know what I just said. <laughs> I was like, I was thinking it's like a rocky road. Well, like you can, you can yeah. sit on and have a few yeah. goes at it. Yeah. 
life, a road trip like me is like a rocky road. Because that was my, so in, when we went to the jungle, mm. they had nicknames for each person because we'd go on safaris and no one knew who was there. So they'd have like chocolate bars as your name. And my name was Rocky Road because my life had been a rocky road. That sums you up perfectly. So there you go. Rocky Road, that's me. Bev, it's been a pleasure. Thank you pleasure, so much. Bro. You can get a Uber home, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Along for the Ride is a listener and car sales production hosted by me, Anthony Matafari. Producer is Kelsey Menzies. Audio by Kelly Fulston. And executive producer is Todd Stevens. Listener.